Hey guys, I'm Phil Harris. And I'm Ashley Harris. We are Shred MX Conditioning, and we provide online fitness and nutrition coaching, as well as in-person riding clinics for riders and racers from local to pro. Now, we're racers ourselves, so we'll be talking about all things moto on this channel, from motocross, fitness and nutrition, injury, prevention and maintenance, local races, amateur nationals, pro events, current happenings in the sport, and everything in between. So whether you're on the road or in the garage, turn it up and enjoy. This is Shred MX Shop Talk. Hey guys, welcome back. This is episode three. Thank you for those that have listened to the first episode um, and are joining us again. Uh, if you're new, welcome to the show. And uh, yeah. Here we are. Let's get it going. Enjoy the ride. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So a couple of weekends ago now, not this past weekend, but weekend before, we raced at Route 62. It was the one of the Viva rounds. It was actually the second round there. The first round at Route 62 was before the banquet. Um, we didn't make that one, but we made this one. So. Yeah. It was very weird, too, doing... It was an indoor... Indoor... Jeez, oh, not indoor. It was an indoor day race. That's what I was trying to get at um saturday and sunday so it was more like an outdoor uh schedule early in the morning sign up practice uh it, it was cool though because then we kind of got done earlier in the day um and had time to head home get some dinner and all that so that kind of was a, it was different but nice at the same time yeah, and I wasn't sure how I was going to like that being a day race because I like the vibes of the, the indoor night races for sure, but it was nice because it was different. It was at a different track, so kind of just had its own thing going on, and I definitely, I liked it. Aside from, I mean, it's an hour and a half down there for us, and we can't we can't take Zuki, Zuki's our dog, because she barks at the dirt bikes. While with indoor pits, I'm not trying to have her in there barking at everyone on their dirt bikes. So we left her at home, so we just drove down and back both days, which meant 4.30 a.m. wake-up time, making some breakfast sandwiches to eat on the road and just heading out the door as quickly as we could. Yeah, dragging myself out of bed because I'm not a morning person. Yeah, but we made it. Yeah, we made it. We made it happen. Yeah. So we had fun. Um, unfortunately, it was a little thin for the weekend, but uh, all in all, it was a good time. Yeah, you raced your 250 again in both A classes, and not a lot of competition showed up, but uh, you still had a good time. Yeah, we. Uh, I had one guy on Saturday, and I was the lone soldier in pro class <laughs> <laughs> on Sunday. Um, and the one class, the one kid got hurt in his other moto, so I ended up being the only one out there. Yeah, it was the Phil show <laughs> on Sunday in the A class. Yeah, they gave me a... A sweet two laps. Yeah. And I said, throw fat whips and pull wheelies. Yeah. It was a good time, though. The track was really nice. Um, thanks to Jimmy for all that. He uh, he puts on a good show over there. Even though it was thin, um, it's not a reflection of the work that he puts in there. Because he always gives everyone a killer track, indoor and outdoor. So if you guys haven't been there down Route 62 and have you know considered it and questioned it and stuff, um get down there check it out it's fun and he's a great dude if you see him running around try to say hey he's uh he'll talk to you for a few minutes and then he's probably going to be off and run into whatever he's doing next the dude never stops yeah that's for sure it was also cool one of our friends local guy from around here too riders kevin ott was doing the announcing and he made it a point to interview both of us at one point in time i thought i just i mean again there wasn't a lot of people there but it's actually it's it's kind of fun as a rider to get to do that even in a, like a smaller audience obviously it's good practice like i don't know maybe one day we'll get to do big ones who knows yeah maybe it was cool seeing kevin doing that though it was uh I think it was really fitting for him, um, and I hope it he gets to do more. It does look like uh, I think he's doing some of the outdoor stuff, actually, I've seen, so that'll be exciting. Oh, I didn't know that. That will be exciting. Yeah. Good so, for him, too. Yeah. Now, one thing we got to talk about. I made my plus 30 debut, <laughs> and I got taken out. Yeah, you, uh, you sure did. Yeah, and it was, so it was, um, I was mad, like, 
I shared a video of it if some of you saw it. Cool, if not. There's, it was like a tight, a tight corner. Dude was on the inside and I was on the outside. There was a decent berm, but the, it wasn't like a bowled out berm. You had to like, I was brake sliding a little bit and shooting down. Well, I saw the, the guy, it was right after whoop section, right hand corner. I kind of saw him on the inside of me and I was like, okay, I'm gonna cut down out of this corner and I'll cut up the inside of him. Well, he of course pushed out cause he took the inside of the corner. That's kind of the only way to go. But I, I don't know if I just anticipated him getting through the corner faster or it like and it was truly just a racing incident but the video <laughs> the video makes it look pretty bad we got into the side of each other and dude just kept pushing me further and further out until i was in the other lane rode up the, the landing of the tabletop and basically fell over because he just pushed me that far wide <laughs> yeah you were heated too yeah well i didn't quite i mean in the moment i didn't you know like i couldn't see what happened i was just like this yeah, it's different once yeah. you get to, like, see video of it and stuff. Like, uh, maybe it was a little different than I thought it was when I was on track. Yeah. But it we, is hard when you're you're racing, you're in the heat of the moment, and then next thing you know, you're laying on the ground, you're like, what the heck? What what was that for? Right. We definitely got tangled together. His bar end got stuck up in my arm, and I had, like, this gnarly, like, I, it didn't really bruise, but it was almost like a goose egg on my bicep. It was all, like, like sw swollen um, and hurt pretty bad, but I thought he just pushed out and like didn't want to give me any room on the track So of course I was mad um, And then he came over a little bit later on set. This happened on Saturday So the first day we were racing he came over a little bit later and he was like starting to try to apologize And I was just like so frustrated because I actually I forgot I had got a really good start in that moto I was yeah, killing you it. You got a good jump. Yeah, I got a good jump. I was like running up front with like some of the guys that run at the top of the class. Now, granted, I was like getting past here and there, but like it was one of the, the fuller gates of the day. <laughs> yeah. And I had a good start and, and that happened and poor guy came over and tried to apologize and I was like, hey, thanks. I appreciate it, but I don't have anything nice to you, nice to say to you right now. And he turned around and walked away and it was probably better for the both of us, the both of us. So I didn't say something that I was going to regret later on. Um, but yeah, he, he did, he did try to be nice. And again, watching the video, I honestly think he got a little bit squirrely and kind of just, it just, we just came together. It just happened. Yeah. I mean, where you were exiting a berm and where he was going, your guys line just met. And then I think you guys got hooked together. So, yeah. And then before that, so before I actually got taken out again, I had a good start. This dude was coming around me to pass me before the triple, the finish line triple. And he took the high part of the berm. It's a right-hand corner before this triple. He went high on the berm, and I cut down just a little bit, still anticipating jumping the triple. I'm like, I have enough drive. I'm solid. Well, this dude comes around the berm on, the, the, on my left side and hits the triple and jumps from the left side of it to the right. And I'm already committed to hitting the triple. So I shut down lob up on top of it because it's kind of like a flat tabletop up there but it, it sucks to land up there <laughs> yeah but I, like a sack of potatoes yeah but i had to jump from my anticipated line of going straight over the triple shut down bail off to the right i i was pretty close to jumping off the side of it but i didn't it was just it was chaos i thought i, I was worried for a second you were going off the side of it yeah it was scary yeah so, <laughs> it looked kind of scary <laughs> from the back so that happened and then I got taken out um, and then I mean we talked a good bit about that you know like like how different indoor riding is from outdoors like outdoors there's plenty of room I can pick a different line on a totally opposite side of the track and get around people really clean or they can get around me really clean indoors you kind of have to force passes yeah it's very ends up being very single file so you kind of have to go inside and force a pass most times. Um, obviously, it doesn't always end pretty. Yeah. And sometimes it's not as it can be clean, but uh, yeah, it, it's harder indoors for sure because there's a lot less room and it is a lot more single file, one line racing. And like I've watched you do that in the pro class, and like I love a good battle. Like I know I'm sure like if it happens to you, you'd get heated too. Like if someone were to take you out like that, but the way you guys can like slice in and out of each other and get real close and like still mainly be respectful of each other is so cool to watch. 
But when I'm out there and it's happening to me and the dudes that are trying to do it are a little bit squirrely, it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, understandable. The control level just isn't there. No, it's, uh, it's a little lower. Yeah. So a little less uh, unsure where the other people are going. I think that's the biggest, the biggest problem I have. Um, and bumping up to the 30 class, you know, I was racing 20 plus 25 in women's or women's in 250B. So like I'm used to racing around dudes, but like I always think like, man, the older I get, like the class might be a little bit calmer. We're all older. We all got to go to work on Monday, but it's all still like it's the same people aging along with me. So yeah, I'm, there might be some new dudes in the class that I haven't raced with in a while, but um, it's hard to, I feel like in the as you get into the older age groups, like no, nothing against any of the guys that are out there racing those older classes, but I feel like you get some of the guys that quit racing for a little while, and then they've decided, hey, 10 years later, you know, or whatever it may be, like, I'm gonna come back to racing, and now I'm plus, you know, plus 30 or whatever. Um, so that, that makes it tough too. Um, but it, I guess it's good, you know, you have people to race with. But yeah, it does make it very wide range of what your skill level is on the gate. Well, and that's how the women's class is, so luckily I'm used to it. Uh, there was a girl out there last weekend. Someone asked me, oh, why was there a mini bike on the gate? She was on a 110. She's just trying to learn. It's because we get one class. And I mean, it's the same. If you're a 30-plus rider, you're going to ride your skill class and your plus 30 class. So... Yeah, you get a wide range, and I definitely agree. People, you know, trying to jump back into the sport, and their their mind thinks that you know they still have the same speed they did when they were racing and they were younger, but their body's not quite with it yet. So, <laughs> no, it, you you still know how to go fast, but uh, your body isn't keeping up with trying to go that fast. Yeah, yeah. So that happened. That was that was literally the most exciting race of all of Saturday. Yeah, it, it probably was. I Except, mean, it, was your was your whoops to stoppy on Saturday too? Yeah, it was the very first heat race. <laughs> yeah, so I'm watching Phil with the one other guy that was out there. There was a, a B rider in there too, so technically two other guys. But one other guy in the A class, he's coming through the whoops good, and it's a shorter whoop section. But clip the the you said you miss did you miss one your front tire miss one. No, I like wheelied into them weird, and there was like only like five of them. But I got into that like kind of like I call it, like teeter tottering, and as I come out of the last one, and I went to get on the brakes because the corners immediately after them, it kind of bucked me up forward onto the front wheel, and then all I had was front brakes, so it threw me into like a stoppy, and then luckily it, it kind of as I caught the berm, it put me down, but I was going. I have so much forward momentum that there was no way to like turn. I just kind of was going to go through the hay bales and luckily they just like parted the two like parted like perfectly and I rode right through them and turned down like went down the backside of the berm, turned <laughs> right and went down the start straight. Yeah. Basically he <laughs> he rode a stoppy up the berm, straight up the berm. And then, yeah, down the backside, just kind of rolled through it. And I was like, well. Oh. It probably looked sweet, but I didn't intentionally do it. Um, it looked sweet after you saved it. I was a little bit concerned for your safety for a moment. Yeah, I thought I was going down. I'm like, oh, perfect. Last lap, too. Yeah. And that, so this, that just reminds me of something that you and I talk about all the time. You were out there by yourself, basically. Pro riders, it's not that they don't make mistakes. It's that they know how to correct for them. You don't get tense, you don't get weirded out by it. You're just like trying to ride it out. Like mistakes happen, stuff like that happens to everyone. Me, if something like that happened, I'd probably end up grabbing the front brake more because I was panicking and pile drive myself into the berm. But you're just like riding that nose wheelie up through there, like <laughs> ride it back down, like, oh, no problem, and then put it behind you. Yeah, yeah, that's the biggest thing is like, when you do save stuff, you got to put it behind you as quickly as possible and just move forward. Yeah. Yeah, don't let it affect you and affect your next laps because then it, then it compounds and it gets worse. Yeah, I used to struggle with that big time when I was a kid. Yeah. I would make a mistake and then 
get stuck kind of thinking about that mistake and then make another two or three mistakes and I just start going backwards and make more mistakes and <laughs> I think that's a lot of people honestly learning how not to do that or not allowing yourself to do that is truly something that takes time and a lot of riding that only really a vet rider is gonna have or maybe maybe some of the top level pros because they do get to ride so much but you gotta have some time in the sport to be able to work through those emotions when you're riding yeah but even some of the like even i would call it like like some of the newer kids they have even though they're young they have that knowledge because of guys like myself or like guys that are ex-pros that they've been around that are teaching them stuff like that yeah yeah that's very true that's a good point to make for sure stressing that yeah now that's why you are busting your hump to get through your USMCA certification so that way you can keep passing on the knowledge and coaching too yeah I'm excited we're very close to uh to finishing that up and we'll have all that done and we'll be all certified and yeah keep passing on knowledge that I have and we'll uh keep keep building this sport yeah absolutely and one other thing that we've talked about here recently um mainly right now I'm doing the fitness and nutrition coaching online for our athletes but we've even talked about you know within the past couple weeks how you spent a bit of time in college um, studying for physical therapy and you didn't finish just because of your racing and everything but that's something that interests you and that's not that I do physical therapy but I do the fitness and the nutrition side and a big piece of my focus is corrective exercise working through old injuries making sure they feel good all of that so something we've talked about recently which I'm also very excited about is you working towards those certifications as well the personal training the corrective exercise that way you can jump in and help on the uh, personal like the fitness side of things and the fitness coaching as well yeah I mean it's gonna take me a little time to get there but yeah we're gonna we're gonna start plugging away and I guess we'll say get back at it because yeah when I did do college I I kind of went for some fitness and nutrition and and then I was also going to do PT I, I, I wanted to give back to the sport kind of what we're building and trying to do now for everyone is give back I wanted to do that even at a young age so it's cool like yeah I fell off of it when I was younger and was more focused on racing and took that path and it's cool that all these years later it's kind of coming around full circle again that I'm kind of getting to do this stuff side by side with you you know that I uh, started years ago studying and learning about and and you know had interest in so here we are doing it again, so yeah. it'll be fun. And I think I think the fact that we're both so passionate about it, and that we've both been in the sport for so long, and just giving back and helping people. Like when I when I work with someone even for a month, and they realize how much better they can feel, how much of a difference what I'm what I'm you know helping them with or teaching them, what a difference it can make in their life. It's so empowering and, and motivating to keep going. Like there's plenty of tough days, so. You know, it's, it's never easy, and, and just like when you jump into that side of the coaching too, it's not going to be easy. Like, building a business isn't easy, but I know between the two of us what we're doing is exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Oh, yeah, I agree 100%. Be fun to see where that all goes. Yeah. Now, one other thing. I shouldn't say one other thing. We'll talk about multiple other things, but <laughs> another vehicle issue, okay? So the last time we talked about... The window got broke out of your truck. The trailer fell off of my truck when we were trying to go. Cool. Okay. Well, that's all been fine. Friday, this past weekend, we were coming home and we needed to stop and get a gallon of milk. And I'm driving down a back road to go to a Dollar General <laughs> in my truck. So we're in my truck now. Now, mind you, I drive a 2010 Ram 1500. She's got 160,000 miles on it. We've had it since 2016 when we bought it when, in Florida. We were living in Florida at the time with 36,000 miles on it. 36? 32? Uh, right around there. I don't know. Somewhere in the 30s. So we've put miles on this truck. It's been back and forth from Florida to Ohio, 
all over the place. We've taken it, um, that was our primary truck, our primary dirt bike hauler for a while. But, you know, it was Phil's truck, now it's my truck. Anyways, she's got some dings and dents on her, but so we're driving, going to get milk. And I'm like on this back road, and it's kind of dark, but there's parking lots and there's lights, whatever. And there's a vehicle coming up from a side street. And I'm like, man, like, you know how when you're like, coming up to a side street like that and it doesn't quite look like they're gonna like they're gonna slow down enough to actually stop you know what i'm talking about yeah and it always looks like that too when it's a little bit dark right so that's kind of what i thought so i kind of like put my foot on the brake a little bit and i was like uh i was like no she looks like she's slowing this person looks like they're slowing like we're probably good right so i keep going and granted it's like a 35 mile an hour back road so i probably slowed down to like 25 okay cool Okay, so I'm like starting to get up to the point where I'm passing this road that this person was, I think, stopping on. And the next thing I know, I hear Phil like, whoa, 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 whoa. And, and I like glance out my side and this lady pulled into the road going the same direction as me into the front side of my truck and hits me. Now, thank God I was paying attention and had already slowed down because I didn't think she was stopping. I swerved off the road, but she still hit the side of me like the front quarter panel of my truck and I'm just like in shock like what the hell just happened like I thought I thought this person was stopping like you had to have seen me my truck is bright red and it's it's like there's lights out it's not like it's pitch black outside so anyways (laughs) we were very close to the dollar general that we were getting milk from so we all pulled in the parking lot or whatever and we're like looking at the damage it really wasn't that bad because it was low impact and because I swerved or low speeds she didn't hit me that hard, but enough to, like, shove me off the road a little bit. Um, but I get out, and then you notice that, like, where she hit me, it hit, it bit, dented in my front quarter panel? Yeah, just a little bit, though. I mean, I w- it's like, I wouldn't even say it's, like, barely even dented in. Yeah, barely. And there's a couple scuffs, but it was enough that it, like... It pushed it back just a teeny bit so the door, like, would rub. yeah. Okay, so my truck has some scratches, a little bit of damage, nothing major. So I'm like, okay, I'm like, it's Friday night. I'm like, I don't really feel like calling the police. So I say something to the lady. I'm like, there's a little bit of damage on my truck. I was like, do you want to just throw me like, you know, a hundred bucks or something like to fix the paint at least, like, so it doesn't rust. And she's on the phone with her husband and she's like, well, she's like, he's saying if you want money, we should really go through insurance. And I'm like, you're probably right. Like that's, that's the official way to do it. But I was just trying to save us all some time. So, okay, well, whatever, I call the police department, and they send someone out, and of course we're in some weird middle area that's no one's jurisdiction. So an hour later, a statey shows up. And of course, I mean, he was kind to us, but he was not kind to her. So I was like, man, you should have just, you should have just taken the offer to give me a hundred bucks to fix my damn paint. We would have been on our way. <laughs> Yep, she could have got it off easy, but she didn't choose that. Yeah, I tried to be nice, but it happens. I get it. So, anyways, just we've been having we've been having some rough luck with our vehicles. I'm just glad that she was slowed down and she didn't just come out and t-bone us. I know that would have been scary. Yeah. Yeah, gotta be thankful for that. Yeah. Still, my poor truck's been a little beat on. <laughs> it has been a little bit beat up, but <laughs> she's still rolling. Yeah, she is. But so, anyways, getting that figured out. That happened Friday night. Saturday. We actually got to ride outside in Ohio in February. It was beautiful. It has been nice. Weirdly, kind of weirdly nice out. But yeah, yeah, we got to ride outside, so that was awesome. And usually, like, if we have, like, it's happened before where we've had, like, a random day, like, early, early in the year that we can ride, but it's usually at least a little bit muddy. Don't you agree? Yeah, I would say so. Usually you get that kind of... It looks like a nice top layer, but you start riding it, and then it's like it's kind of muddy, or you try to till it up, and then it's like really muddy underneath. But luckily, uh, we uh, we didn't really have that. We had pretty prime conditions. Most of it was like um, like really tacky, and then some of the other sections were like on the verge of dry. Yeah, which was pretty wild. But it was it was prime, like it was a private private track, private invite. So, <clears throat> thanks to you for inviting us out. You know who you are. We appreciate the hell out of that. But um, for sure, had a good time and like just opening up. You know, I think it's cool that there there are people out there that have tracks that are on their 
own land that they'll like I mean obviously we're friends like we get invited but it's cool that they they open up you know their track and let let some extra people come in sometimes yeah it is nice when that happens uh we had a, a good little group I think there was like 10 or so of yeah. us so it was fun um we had a good time and uh like we said the track shaped up super nice and man what a beautiful day we had too the sun was shining we we had a little bit of overcast it was a little chilly at times with the breeze but uh overall for a like we said a february day in ohio riding everybody's outside can't complain about that at all no now i did want to bring up though you rode the 450 yeah so and then you raced the 250 the weekend before and then any more indoor indoors that we do you're going to race the 250 or ride the 250 so i know like some people would struggle going back and forth between the two so is there ever like a time when you bump from one bike to the other that you have to like remind yourself what bike you're on like how what is that mentally like for you um I think it's tougher I wouldn't say it so like we rode I've been riding it indoors like the 250 indoors and then we rode outdoors so I rode the 450 so like that's not such an adjustment but when I ride them the same day or like same style track, that's a little bit of an adjustment. Um, whether it be like indoors, like on the 450, I have to be a lot more mellower because otherwise I'll be like overshooting everything. And then outdoors, you know, like it's kind of reverse. Like I can ride the 450 a little harder. And then it's like, if I ride the 250 outside now, it's like, you really got to ride the crap out of that thing. So, um, I used to have a hard time though, when I was younger, adjusting the going like back and forth between the two different like power deliveries. And you kind of got to ride each bike in its own way. Um, I think it's easier cause I kind of like understand that in the, I guess you say like in the back of my mind, like when I get on that bike, it's like, I already kind of understand that. Like, okay, I have to ride this one different. And then as soon as I touch a track, man, it's like I'm already prepared to do that. Um, sometimes it's not always that way, though. Sometimes it's like a couple laps, like, oh, yeah, I got to I gotta ride this one a little differently. So there's can be an adjustment period sometimes. Now, <laughs> is there one over the other, aside from, like, saying, like, well, I like this one indoors and I like this one outdoors, is there one over the other that is, like, like you would – ultimately choose as your favorite 250 or 450 um i would say ultimately 450 just because like if like i could only have if i only had one bike um and i had to choose between either one yeah i would say 450 just because like all around that's what i would rather ride um i just i've been on 450 since i was like 16 so i'm like really used to the the bigger bike and uh, the power and everything. So, and I like that style of riding. Like I do enjoy riding the 250 at times and especially indoors, like you were saying, but uh, outdoors, like I don't always like that uh, riding it on the ragged edge. Um, I'm not always that style of rider. I like to be a lot smoother and flowy and more fluid with it. So uh, I feel like the 450 power for me personally, it it lends to that a little more. Now, I think you bumping to a 450 at 16, personally, I think that's super young. Like, I wouldn't recommend, like, a kid now. I guess it depends on the situation. It depends on the riding level. But most 16-year-olds, I would say, have no business being on a 450. What are, like... How do you feel? Not your situation because like, all right, tell us about your situation too. But what would you say about like 16 year olds now? Do you think a 450 is a good bike for them? Um, no, not, not necessarily. I think it's different now too. So my situation when we were coming up, when we all moved to big bikes, we moved to big bikes on, on 125. So at that, you know, 125 is anyone that has rode them or rides them, they understand that you have to be very on the pipe, like screaming a 125 to keep it rolling, keep it uh, going fast. 
So we kind of all moved to four strokes in the middle of that on big bikes. So we all kind of rode four strokes that way a little too much. And a lot of us had motor issues with them at first um, until we kind of learned to ride them a little better, but it still took a lot of time. So I just found like that because we rode them a little more that way. That's why I got onto the bigger bike and I enjoyed it more because I had the power and I didn't have to like, I didn't feel like I had to scream it so much to, to make power. Um, but nowadays, no, I, I feel like, especially with the, you know, the newer bikes with fuel injection and everything, these 250Fs are so much faster than the bikes we had too. Like, man, if you pulled out a, a 2002 or 2003 250f now it'd, it'd probably be a dinosaur out <laughs> on the track so no i i feel like nowadays like give yourself like especially kids getting onto big bikes i i would say you know two three seasons of 250fs then then yeah maybe start flirting with the idea of a 450 especially if you're uh really hammering on the 250 um if you're still not using a ton of the power, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess that's a, in everyone's situation, but I, w I wouldn't say to jump right up. Well, and that's kind of like for me, I'm 30 years old, still riding a 250F, and I've, I've, <laughs> I'm small, and I always joke and say that I'm the size of a 13-year-old boy, but basically I am. I'm five foot, almost four, five foot three and like three quarters of an inch, and 130 pounds, so basically the size of a 13-year-old boy, maybe 14. <laughs> and I've rode your 450 and I enjoy it, but like for someone like myself, like I'm not riding my 250 to its full potential, so I don't really need a 450. Granted, when we go to like super sandy tracks and I like just the ease of having the power, yeah, it's great, but there's some people that, you know, like we ride with that they have 450s, and I'll be riding with, and the way that they can come out of a corner and just crack on the throttle and get over bigger jumps, like, yeah, that's cool, but I I have to carry momentum to hit those jumps, which is more, which means I'm going faster. So, like, to me, I need to continue to work on riding the 250 like it needs to be rode and, and utilize that power. Again, it keeps me carrying more momentum. What I'm getting at is it doesn't let me be lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because some, some people, um, and that's okay, like, some people too, and it's a big thing with vet riders, like, they enjoy the 450 power because they don't have to work as hard, and that lets them still enjoy the sport, like, all for that, do your thing, but I'm still trying to progress as much as I can, so, like, I kind of, I'm, I'm still learning to ride the 250 like it's supposed to be rode. Are you calling me out? That's why I ride the 450, because I'm lazy. Definitely. Because I'm a vet rider. Definitely. You're talking, showing your age, talking about 250s from O2. Yeah, I kind of. I would have been eight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. Uh, yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah, Phil over here. I was 18 when we got together. What were you like, 24? Something like that. He was robbing the cradle. But anyway, <laughs> that's a story for another day. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anyways, a little bit of one other thing too that I feel like people kind of get stuck on now. Um, and I talked to a girl about this recently. She's getting too big. I can't remember if she had an 85 or a 150. But anyway, she was talking about getting a bigger bike. And I agreed her legs are long. She, like her knees where she's trying to grip the bike, her knees were above the seat. So I'm like, like you don't have anything. You're too tall for that bike, for the, for the mini bike. Anyways, I think a lot of people now try to skip the 125 stage. And I don't like that. Yeah, a lot of people just go straight to 250s anymore. I think there's a lot of skills to be learned on a 125 that when you skip that, I mean, it's it's so much easier of a transition to go, let's say from even a super mini to a 125 because now your power delivery is still similar, but you got the bigger wheels. So you're just adjusting to the bigger frame, the bigger wheels, the, the different, you know, a little bit more weight of a bike instead of trying to change how the power is delivered and the weight of the bike and the bigger wheels, like all of it at once. Like I just think a 125 is a better stepping stone. Yeah, I mean, I would agree, um, especially with certain rider levels. 
it's tough like some of the faster kids that are coming up nowadays just because the super minis are i would say are probably on par with the 125s as far as power to like weight and wheel ratio and all that so it's kind of tough because it's like yeah you're going to put them on like a slightly bigger wheel than the super mini but with probably almost the same power so now they've already rode a bunch of seasons on this that same power delivery right so then maybe that's not such a big deal but i would say like yeah some some kids especially if they don't do like the super mini level like I would say, you know, like if you go like 80 and then 125, then 250F, that would be a good transition. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's the, the, probably the best. And, and then like you said, for the, for the Super Mini, it might be make more sense to do like 250F option. Yeah. I still wish like most of the manufacturers made their two strokes, like 125s and even 252 strokes. Like for some of us older guys, I would love to have a 252 stroke still in the garage from a certain, you know, certain brands. But, uh, even yeah, for like the kids too. Cause like then they'd have all the options instead of a couple. Right. <laughs> yeah. One of them's kind of, I mean, I think they put a little bit of, um, R and D into them, but they're still pretty, this Yamaha especially is still pretty much the same bike, isn't it? Yeah. They haven't done hardly anything to it. Or you could get a KTM. They're just expensive. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, so got a little off topic there. But back to back to our riding day on Saturday. I have to call you out on this. What? You were riding around behind me, and I hit you with a rock in the oh. shoulder. And you would have thought this man was, like, injured. I pulled, <laughs> I pulled up next to him after I was, like, I rode. He was riding behind me. He was, like, towards the end of our, like our riding. Just throwing stuff at me. Yeah. And he's like ripping around with me, which is super cool. It helps me push. It kind of lets him see how I'm riding. And then I ask him like, hey, how am I riding? Cool. I super appreciate when he does that. Well, we're ripping around and then he gets done and I do a few more laps and then I get done and pull up next to him and I'm talking to him. And he's holding his shoulder and he's like, you trashed my shoulder. Like, I thought I, thought I injured him. I'm like, what happened? And he's like, you hit me with a rock. You roosted me. And I'm like giggling because I'm like, we get roosted with rocks all the time. He's like, no, like you nailed me in the shoulder, like in the nerve. I had like dead arm as soon as you hit me. So that was kind of, that made me giggle. You're fine now, but it did make me giggle. Yeah. Worst part was I didn't even see it coming. Usually you see them, but never even seen it. Yeah, my bad. You're okay though. Yeah. You're all right. I survived. I did feel super good. So he's got quite a few jumps out there. Um, I felt... For like being our first ride outdoors, although we've rode so much already this year, I didn't, it didn't feel weird, but it was like for being our first ride outdoors, he's got some decent sized jumps out there and I was hitting most everything and I felt super aggressive. I felt really good. Yeah. You looked really good. Thanks. It's kind of, it's nice to be confident, like the first ride outdoors. So that, that's a lot of progress for me. Um, especially jump wise, like it's taken me a long time to, to build confidence on jumps. I think that's a big part of just the consistent seat time that we've had. Yeah. And, and two, working instead of just riding, like consistent seat time is good, but I'm not just riding. I'm trying to make progress. I'm pushing myself. Like mentally trying to improve has helped me a ton as well. Yeah. Because I can kind of fall into the, I'm just happy that I'm riding my dirt bike and you can kind of fall into the, I'm frustrated I'm not going fast enough and we really have to balance each other out with that. Yeah, it's a struggle some days, but like, I need more aggression and you need more happy. Yeah. We figure that out though. It's a fun fun balance some days. It is. It's hard, but we do. We do it. It's fine. It's life. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> One other thing, you said that you told me you dabbed your knee a little bit. Yeah, I caught it a little bit over the weekend. Now, it was a little bit ruddy and some of the ruts were a little bit weird. And you don't have, I mean, obviously, I think most people know at this point in time, but you don't have either ACL. No. I for sure don't have the one. The other side was fixed when I was, like, younger because I had tore it. But I think since I've, I know I had stretched it, but I, uh, I've probably since, like, tore it over the years. Now, when you tore, it's your right knee that you tore recently? 
Yeah, in 21. Yeah, when you tore that, I remember the doctor, our orthopedic guy, said that, well, because we didn't want to fix it right then. You were, like, working. You have a very, you had a very physical job working out at a cemetery, and it, like, wasn't obviously convenient to go have surgery to fix it. And he's like, oh, well, you can walk, but you'll never ride until you fix it. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. But I was... I'm too stubborn to let that happen. Right. And I and I always have a hard time, like, when people tear ACLs, most people go quickly and have them fixed. And I'm not saying, like, that's right or wrong, but when we ride as much as we do and racing as much as we do, ACLs are, like, so easy to tear. So... I had, like, when that injury happened to you, it's almost like, well, if we can rehab it without fixing it, why don't we try to do that? Because that way, so you have surgery, you have it fixed, now you have to worry about re-injuring it. Right. Like your other knee. Yeah. So why not try if you can push through it and not have it fixed? Like some people can. Some people are totally okay with it, and some people totally can't walk. Obviously, you got to walk. It took you a little bit to be able to walk stably. Stable, is that a word? With, with stability. Know. Yeah, with stability. To walk with stability. But we worked on that, right? Like, you, you started getting back into a workout routine, and now even more recently, like, we do a lot of corrective exercise for you at all of your old injuries, everything you got going on. Um, and it, it literally does make the biggest difference. Like, like usually, if you would dab your leg like that and tweak your knee it'd be swollen and it would take you several days to stop limping oh yeah i thought for sure after we got done with the ride and that when i took my stuff off i'd have a swollen knee or it would swell up later it never really did i mean maybe a tiny bit but it wasn't like really noticeable and it didn't get like that tight on me or anything usually it would swell up and then i have a few days of getting the swelling out of it and getting it to bend you know, most of the range of motion and stuff back and everything. Um, but yeah, I didn't really, uh, didn't seem to end up with that this time. A little tiny bit of soreness, but that's just probably from catching it and tweaking it a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I have so much strength in it now. I feel like I don't deal with as much of the issues. And, um, I mean, we're not saying, guys, to those listeners that, you know, don't go get your ACL fixed. You know, like if you tear one and you feel strongly about getting fixed, go get it fixed. But Absolutely. I will also say, because I had one fixed when I was younger, don't think that just because you got it fixed and you do your little bit of, you know, PT or whatever they have you do, and then, oh, hey, you're all good, go back to riding. I would recommend to, I would strongly recommend on top of all that to get as much strength in your muscles again because i i know like i said because i went through it um you lose all your muscle in your legs like hardcore from the surgery and being off of it and everything so put as much strength around it too if you get it fixed or if you don't get it fixed same thing as much strength as you can put around that knee it's only gonna help keep it stabilized while you're riding on top of knee pads, knee braces, whatever you may wear. That's a fun conversation to have. Oh yeah, that's a good debate right there. So, what do you wear? Oh, knee braces. I wear knee braces too. Yeah, I mean knee braces for a long time. I'm a firm believer in them too, so much so that I think I was 15, 14 or 15, racing at Malvern and I, for some reason, this was in the period I was trying to decide if I wanted knee braces, I think. And I had to buy them myself. I was working, going to school, working, and I was like, man, like, do I want knee braces? They're, they're expensive when you're working a part-time job after school. So I'm like, anyways, I think I, I think I borrowed my dad's knee braces, maybe, to wear them at Malvern. And I wrecked, and for one, I got a concussion for sure. But I kept saying man, it's a good thing I had those knee braces on because the way I felt, like the knee brace bruised my leg, so I knew like it yanked my legs around. 
But I continue to say, it's a good thing I had those knee braces on. And then three minutes later, it's a good thing I had those knee braces on. Oh my God, you definitely got concussion. Totally firm believer though, since that moment, that it's a good thing I wear knee braces. (laughs) Now, and I can say too, and this is actually a conversation I enjoy having with people, knee braces versus knee pads. And I'm all for wear what you're comfortable with because being comfortable um, is, is, extremely important to how you ride. If you're clunky and you can't feel, like if, you, if you're someone that says, I don't like knee braces because I can't feel the bike, that that's gonna hinder your riding, I get that. But I am someone that broke my femur because of my knee brace. It didn't bend, it saved my knee and instead broke my femur. So, and people say like, that's one of the issues with knee braces, oh my God, okay, well, my femur is healed. There's a rod in there and there's some screws in, in either end, but my femur is healed and I, knock on wood, do not have knee problems. Now, tell me about your knee problems. I mean, now they're better because you've spent so much time strengthening them, but what my point is, a bone heals, ligaments and tendons, like it, that's a whole different journey. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It- I obviously didn't want to blow out my other one, but here we are. It happened. Yeah, it does. And that, and that just goes, again, to say that knee braces aren't going to protect against everything. No, I mean, I've done both of mine in knee braces. Right. So it doesn't protect it. And I, I even believe that if I had, <clears throat> you know, knee pads on in the same situations, I would have probably still tore it, if not tore a whole lot of other stuff. That's what I would think for sure. Because even if it's not, if even if it didn't protect that ACL, I'm sure there was other things in there it protected. Yeah, the second one I did like just a couple years ago, like in my right knee, I think you know, regardless of what I was wearing, I think it would have been about the same outcome. But my first one. I buckled my leg back underneath me pretty bad in a corner. Like I caught it and sucked it underneath me and uh, up under the bike and everything. And yeah, I think if I would have not had knee braces on, um, it would have been pretty bad. Also, my knee braces that I had on at that time when I was younger were pretty beat because I rode so much. Yeah, yeah, that's about, and we were just talking about this, that's about where we're both at now um, it's time to get new knee braces. That's something, they are expensive, so you want to wear them as long as possible, but they do need replaced. Yeah. Replaced, I mean, you can rebuild them up and stuff, get new parts for them, and a lot of the companies nowadays offer fresh parts. You can kind of freshen them up, and that way you can make them new again, or, yeah, or you can uh, afford to. It's nice to always get a, a fresh pair. Yeah, a fresh set. We've been in Mobius for a while. I think we're going to try the pods next. Yeah out something uh i we had them before but uh pods are actually what i broke so this is a funny story pods are what i broke my femur in and it cracked the carbon fiber and i I remember that i called pod or emailed them or something yeah and told them that the carbon fiber was cracked because i broke my femur in them they wanted me to send it back so they could research it and they sent me a new one so i thought that was pretty cool that's pretty neat. Yeah. So all the research that they do for those things, it's it's pretty wild. But it's cool because uh, they're trying to help uh, us riders stay safe out there. Yeah, and I know like there's a lot of people that talk about. I think those they're the TP199. It's like a knee pad, but it's got some support in it. Yeah, something like that. I think it's like an inner knee sleeve or something. Yeah, and like I said, all of those like whatever you are most comfortable in. Personally, Phil and I both knee braces, anyone that is like close to us pretty much wears knee braces. Um, but again, it's just kind of kind of like the neck brace conversation and that's something else for a whole different a whole different podcast. But you know, you, you gotta wear what you feel is gonna help you in the best way possible when you're riding your dirt bike. Yeah, you wanna be, uh, you wanna be comfortable, but you know, you don't wanna also take that comfort to such an extent that you're you're gonna be unsafe when yeah. not if you crash it's when you crash because we all know especially riding dirt bikes um it's inevitable you're gonna hit the deck at some point yeah 
Now, so that, speaking of that, though, I can't understand why people are so quick to want to spend money on protective equipment. You know, obviously helmets are a must, good helmets, but between the, the neck braces and the elbow pads and, geez, sometimes you see those little kids in, like, the full body armor. I'm like, that kid can't even move. Like, Yeah, there's an extent where you can get overboard and now, like, it's almost the other way. Like, you think you have so much on your kid that he's, He's extra safe. There's no way he can get hurt, but un the problem is now he can't move at all, so more than likely he's probably going to crash more. Because <laughs> he can't even, like, correct anything. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, whether you're overprotected or what I was getting at was just spending money on all of this gear you can strap on versus putting in some work off the bike to actually bulletproof your body to help prevent injury to make you feel better when you're riding and all I'm talking about here is exercise some mobility work you know like making sure we're strong when you lift heavy things your bones start to adapt it actually helps your bones get stronger not just your muscles like your skeletal system is like okay we're used to picking up these heavy loads we got to beef up a little bit or, or we're not going to be able to last. Like your body is so smart in the way it adapts. Um, and I mean, I get it. You know, you can spend money on something and it's there and you strap it on. And then when you're done wearing it, you take it off. Cool. Whereas exercise takes daily effort. And I know that's a sticking point for people because we're all limited on time. And every other excuse in the book, I've heard it all. But like there is nothing equipment wise that you can buy that is going to keep you as safe as just putting in a little effort into your body through exercise would. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, exercise goes a long ways, especially with racing. And even just feeling good. I mean, you you talked to me, you've raced for a long time. You rode a lot, you've been you've had a lot of injuries. I've been there to see some of them. But you've talked to me too about how like before we really started into the corrective exercise piece how you would wake up in pain yeah I had a lot of issues with uh, my back and my neck especially and everything just being super tight um, from injuring them uh, when I was younger and I just always wake up like super balled up tight uh, felt like someone was like yanking my shoulders back and I get crazy headaches sometimes, and uh, yeah, I, I was feeling rough all the time. Some days was just, I didn't want to get up out of bed because as soon as I opened my eyes, I already felt rough. Yeah, and I mean, moto is abusive on the body. We all know that. So it, it causes muscle imbalances. It causes overuse injuries. It causes tightness in here and weakness over here. That's stuff that if you don't address it, it, it only compounds and gets worse. And then, because your whole body is connected, it starts affecting other areas. Oh, yeah, definitely does. Now, I got to ask you, because you, you do put in the work. I write the program for you, but you put in the work. I can't do that for you. Do you enjoy every morning at 4.30 in the morning when we get up and you got to go down there and put your work in? No, I definitely don't enjoy Uh the days that I have to go down there at 4.30 in the morning to get it done before work. Um, some days are a huge mental battle for me to go down and do it. Um, and there's been plenty of days uh, in the past that, you know, I, I didn't get it done. But um, the more and more I've worked at it, the more I've uh, got to where even those days at I wake up and I'm like, I really, really don't want to do this this morning. I'm saying that the whole time I'm walking downstairs <laughs> to go do it. I don't want to do this. I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to do this. And then I get downstairs and then I just start my warm up. And then next thing I know, I'm, I got my, uh, I got my workout in for the morning and I did it. And then I feel good that I did it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's been, that's a working progress but uh and it's not about perfection it's about consistency it's about getting it done more times than not so the days that you don't really aren't that big of a deal as long as most of the time you're like sucking it up and getting it done yeah yeah I mean there's always going to be those 
those random days that yeah you you're just like today is just not the day yeah or just nope it's just not happening right and you just you know if anything that if you have one of those days try to just throw in a stretch even if it's right before bed you know or something just get a little something in. but uh yeah as far as the strength side of it and all that it is huge um i wanted to say too you know like with racing like we were talking like you, you hit the ground like you know thinking about the pro guys you know when we watch these guys on tv racing and they take some gnarly spills and uh indoors and outdoors and you know we see them bounce back up and uh that's not just because they've rode a, a ton of times and oh you know like they've rode a bunch so they're used to hitting the ground and they can bounce up no it's or because you're jet lawrence and you're like a cat yeah i don't know how he does that <laughs> he just stays on his feet somehow but um <laughs> no it's uh the the strength is what helps those guys you know get back up off the ground and get right back on the bike and um and not really get you know end up with too many injuries or or no injury at all even through a a, a pretty crazy wreck that's because those guys are strong their um their bodies can take the abuse they're yeah. ready for it and i think i've i've seen that in action for both of us personally for sure oh yeah and i can tell like the more you know, I work through everything, and the more I get built up, the the more my uh, my body can can handle the abuse on the weekends. Like before, we used to uh, go racing, and by the end of the day, and we were got done, we we're loading up and stuff, driving home. I'd be smoked, usually getting leg cramps or something. And now, like. We've worked through so much stuff. You've helped me work through so much stuff. Like now we leave the tracks and we're on our way home and I, I feel good. I'm like almost ready to go, you know, do something else because the day of racing's over with and I still feel really good. So yeah, yeah. I'm not, you know, getting the, I still get a little sore and stuff. Like, I mean, that's hard to get rid of, but yeah, not I'm not getting like, entirely. no, I'm I'm not getting that hardcore like two day effect though, like where I'm just slam like not gonna do anything. So that's that's nice. Yeah, and you brought up really good points about what I try to explain to people. Like a lot of times people will reach out to me because they have this problem or they want to prove it, improve this area or work on this or whatever. But realistically, when we're working through the fitness, the nutrition, the mobility, the recovery, all of these things, it's not only going to benefit you in one area. It helps with injury prevention. It helps with pain management. It helps improve your endurance when you're riding. It helps with the recovery side of things. It helps in your daily life, just having good energy. So like, while most people focus on the fact that, you know, I want to do better in my races, I want to increase my endurance. Okay, that's great. We will do that. But you're also going to have all of these other added benefits that you don't realize are also going to help your riding, but they are. So it's like people are like, "Yeah, yeah, that's cool." Like, "Sure, Ashley, I, I hear what you're saying, but let's I want I want to ride better." Cool. Okay, well we get a month or two in and people are like, "Oh my god, this is like this is life-changing." And that's what I always try to explain to people. It's not just a program that like, yeah, you start, you stop, cool, you got some benefit from it. It's 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 a it's a life-changing experience so much so that I that I try to help people turn this into a lifestyle change, something that I want people to do forever because that's my intention for what you and I do. This is something we will do for the rest of our lives. Oh, yeah. Um without a doubt, especially how good it makes me feel. Um even with the struggle days I I still don't see myself ever stopping doing it just because a lot of the pain that I used to wake up with I don't wake up with those pains now um I still wake up with some pain like that's inevitable you but... can't you can't count me as your pain I'm sorry oh yeah I mean that's that's <laughs> no but... not, not the one you were talking <laughs> no, about no no I wasn't referring to that okay fair but, enough um I don't wake up with the pain and all that. I mean, like I said, there's still some there, but uh, yeah, I definitely won't won't be stopping doing it anytime soon. And 
I mean, I know you're my husband, so I might be a little bit biased, but there's something to be said about you being 35 years old and still riding the way that you do. Yeah. Um, sometimes it amazes me that I'm 35 and still riding the way I do. A big piece of it is the training that we put in, the work that we put in off the bike. If you want to ride and race into your later years and, and be competitive and enjoy the sport still, it is so important to take care of yourself outside of it as well. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, if you wanna if you wanna do good on the weekends, you gotta you gotta, you know, change your lifestyle during the weeks too. Yeah. Um that goes with anything, you know, if you wanna perform good on the weekends, you gotta more or less perform good all week too, leading up to it. That way you're uh, ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I just I just enjoy living a healthy lifestyle. It's just like I just like feeling good. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, so. But anyways, we're at about an hour for this one, so we won't keep chattering people's ears off, but I'm sure we'll have another one soon. Nothing much going on for us this weekend. We might we might ride indoors, right? Yeah, probably do a little riding, but uh mostly low key. And uh, yeah. You'll probably play some golf. Yeah, as long as the, the weather's been nice. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> for all my golf people, I've been getting out. Had a few days out outside so far, so that's uh, been a win. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. It looks like we got a few other nice days ahead of us, possibly. So looking forward to that. But, yeah, other than that, uh, probably be a pretty low-key weekend. And then... Uh, we got the next summit round coming up in a few weeks here, and then uh, we'll be looking forward to Daytona after that. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited for Daytona. I need some, some good warm sunshine. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Just get out of Ohio for a little bit, see some uh, little sightseeing on a road trip down there, and see some people from Florida that uh, we haven't seen in a while, and yeah. Bathe in the sunshine. Right? Ride dirt bikes. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to episode three. If you have feedback, good, bad, and different, let us know. Always going to try to improve here. Or if there's something you're interested in that you'd love to hear us talk about, let us know. Um, or if you have questions, let us know that too. Yeah, let us know, guys. Thanks for listening.